Dawson Knox's contract extension, building a roster while paying big money to a quarterback, and Buffalo Bills NFL draft prospects to watch on Saturday. It's all coming your way today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Friday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. And as a reminder to you, we are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Well, folks, we have a unique opportunity here. The Bills don't play until Monday Night Football, and so we have an opening in our calendar to allow us to dive into some different subjects. And so today on the podcast, I want to talk about Dawson Knox's contract extension. We haven't gotten to that yet. I then want to talk about some team-building stuff regarding the Bills and the Chiefs and managing a roster around committing massive amounts of money to a quarterback. And so I want to compare and contrast the two situations and give us some ideas about how the Bills roster may evolve from here. And then we'll close it out by talking about my Buffalo Bills NFL draft prospects to watch on Saturday. So let's start with Dawson Knox's contract extension. He signed a four-year $52 million deal with the Buffalo Bills. And if you were listening to this podcast in the offseason leading up to the 2021 season, you know I'm excited about this. There was so much discussion that offseason surrounding the Bills and finding an upgrade at tight end. There were people that wanted the Bills to give Jonu Smith all the money. People that wanted the Bills to trade for Zach Ertz. There were people that wanted the Bills to trade all the way up into the top five of the draft to get Kyle Pitts. Bills Mafia was desperate for a tight end. And let's face it, the Bills have never really had a great tight end at really any point in their history. But I was a big Dawson Knox enthusiast. I defended him all offseason. And I kind of continued to preach this message about his physical skill and the ability to develop and the flashes and how I think he can find consistency. And I don't get a lot of things right, but this is one of my wins. And we all know that there was inconsistency with Dawson Knox over his first few seasons. He did some good things. He made some plays, but we mostly remember the drops. We remember the missed blocks. But we know that he's improved a ton. But I do find it necessary to continue reminding everyone of the dynamics surrounding Dawson Knox when he came to the NFL. And it goes back to high school where he played quarterback. He went to Ole Miss and then transitioned to playing tight end. And at Ole Miss, he played for an offensive coordinator in Phil Longo in an offense that doesn't feature tight ends. I mean, he was the fifth option for that team in the passing game. Across four seasons, he caught 39 passes with no touchdowns. 
And so tight ends or tight end is a slow developing position in the NFL, especially for a guy that doesn't have any experience. Just think about it for a second. As a tight end, you play wide receiver to a degree, you play offensive line to a degree, and you play fullback to a degree. It's a lot to figure out. But even at Ole Miss, in a limited role, you could see that Knox was gifted. And that's why the Bills traded up to get him in the third round, despite 39 career catches and zero touchdowns. They bet on his traits. And that's always a good philosophy when you have dynamic physical traits with strong work ethic and good habits, you have something exciting there. And that's what the Bills found in Dawson Knox. And it's very similar to Josh Allen, very similar to Spencer Brown, very similar to Ed Oliver and Tremaine Edmonds. Guys that maybe don't have everything figured out at their positions, but they're dynamic physical talents that work really, really hard. That's something that's always worth betting on. And the Bills have continued to prove to us and stay true to their draft, develop, and keep their own philosophy. And Dawson Knox is just the latest example. I mean, the guy was terrific last year. He led the NFL in passer rating when targeted among tight ends, 128.7. That was the passer rating the Bills had when targeting Dawson Knox. No tight end in the NFL was higher last year. He led, or excuse me, tied for the league lead in uh, touchdowns among tight ends with nine. His reception percentage increased from 58.6 in 2020 to 70.8 last year. A lot more efficiency on his targets. His contested catch rate went up from 33% to 54%. He was 15th in the NFL in receiving yards among tight ends, and that includes missing two games with a broken hand. Not to mention his growth as a blocker was quite noticeable too. I mean, his growth has been significant, and it's exciting to me to think about how he will continue to evolve. I mean, he's only 26 years old, or he will turn 26 actually in November. He's young. He's still developing. And this level of commitment that the Bills made in Dawson Knox, making him one of the top 10 highest paid players at his position in the league, it suggests a prominent role in the offense moving forward, right? You don't pay guys for what they've done. You pay guys for what they're going to do. And I'm excited to see how it evolves, considering he's now commanding $13 million per season. But we also have to remember with a contract like this is it sends such a strong message to the locker room. Players want to be in Buffalo. And this is Brandon Bean once again proving that if you do what we ask, if you develop, you're going to get paid and be able to stay a member of this football team. You can continue your professional career here. And that carries a lot of weight. And that's true for obviously Dawson Knox and Trey White, Matt Milano, Deion Dawkins, Josh Allen. But it's also true for the Saran Neals of the world. Saran Neal is a special teams player that provides modest depth on defense, but because Neal worked hard and proved himself as a special teams player, 
He signed a three-year, $9 million extension. And that's a big deal for guys like Jaquan Johnson or DeMar Hamlin. They know they might not see the field over Poyer or Hyde, but damn it, if they do their job and excel on special teams, there is a path for them to get paid and stay in Buffalo. The Bills have a clear commitment to a philosophy. The Bills took a chance on a physically gifted but raw prospect with outstanding work ethic, and now the Bills have a true answer at tight end locked up through the 2026 season. Now, some people have brought up Jordan Poyer and how he might feel regarding Dawson Knox getting paid before him. And I have to be honest, I always expected that to be the case. I always expected Brandon Bean to prioritize the young players he drafted. So to me, that wasn't really a surprise. And oh, by the way, shortly after the Dawson Knox deal was done, the Bills agreed to a reworked 2022 contract with Jordan Poyer that includes up to $2 million in incentives. From Elena Getzberg of ESPN, she wrote an article on the extension. This is what she said about the reworked deal. The new incentives cover a variety of categories tied to playing time, on-field production, such as interceptions, and team categories uh, referring to win or statistical improvements, which are well within reach based on Poyer's role and the expectations for the team this year. Jordan Poyer's agent, Drew, Drew Rosenhaus, said, Jordan appreciates this goodwill gesture by the Bills as we continue to work for a contract extension. And so I think that there's some good positive momentum as it relates to Jordan Poyer and his long-term future in Buffalo. And obviously, the Bills are tied to Dawson Knox through the 2026 season. Now, there's other contracts they're going to have to deal with. Tremaine Edmonds is one of them. Uh, an expiring contract in Roger Saffold at left guard, Devin Singletary. But at least for now, Brandon Bean has checked an important box and Dawson Knox is sticking around for the foreseeable future. And you know Josh Allen loves that. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. You can book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip, or you can get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. You can also just find an affordable, economic car if you're on a budget and you just need to get from point A to point B. You can also test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday life. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. Let's talk about the Chiefs and the Bills a little bit here. And I hope that this all ties together to something that makes sense for you. You guys know I'm, I'm fascinated with team building and roster construction. It's a big part of what we do on this podcast, and it's a huge part of what I do over at the Draft Network. I run our scouting department at TDN, and we actually have five full-time guys, and we divide all of college football and the NFL into regions, and everyone is responsible for a group of teams in college football and the NFL. For me, the NFL teams that I'm responsible for are the Bills, Bengals, 
Jaguars, Lions, Bears, Panthers, and Chiefs. So earlier this week, I did my uh, my game review of the Chiefs in week one against the Arizona Cardinals. And while I was watching that tape and making notes, I couldn't help but notice the amount of rookies and first-year players that were contributing. So it prompted me to do some more research and write an article over at the Draft Network titled, How the Chiefs are Acing the Test of Working Around a Large Quarterback Contract. So I want to share what I learned and then compare it to the Bills. And you know, the reason I want to do this is because the Chiefs are paying Patrick Mahomes $45 million per season. And when that deal was done, a lot of people wondered, how can the Chiefs maintain a competitive roster around Mahomes, given the amount of cap his contract is taking up? And then, of course, not long after the Chiefs extended Mahomes, the Bills extended Josh Allen at $43 million per season. And then ever since Allen's extension, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Deshaun Watson all signed bigger deals than Mahomes and Allen in terms of average annual salary. So now Mahomes and Allen are fifth and sixth, respectively, in the NFL when you measure quarterback contracts by average annual salary. Those are bargain deals now. And then I would bet that after this season, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and Justin Herbert, they're all going to sign extensions north of $45 million per year, and then Mahomes and Allen will be like eight and nine in the NFL for average annual salary among quarterbacks. So there's a lot of teams in this boat, or soon to be in this butt, this boat. And we're talking 25% of the league is going to be com committing $43 million per year plus to their quarterback. So let's get back to comparing the Bills and the Chiefs. First, let's acknowledge what's different. Josh Allen's big cap figure doesn't really kick in until next year. Right now, Josh Allen accounts for 7.85% of the Bills' salary cap. Mahomes is currently a tick over 17% of the Chiefs' cap. Next year, Allen's going to be at that mark. He's going to be at that 17% mark. But here's the most important thing in this discussion and how to maintain a balanced roster around a massive quarterback contract, it simply comes down to getting meaningful impact from players on rookie contracts. You need economic options. And the Chiefs have done a great job of that. And I'm not saying the Bills have it, but right now I'm talking about the Chiefs. And so when you kind of look at their recent draft history, in the 2020 draft, which was just a few months prior to the Mahomes extension. Chiefs general manager Brett Veach, he landed quality starters in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at running back, Willie Gay Jr. at, at linebacker, and, and a rising star corner in Legereus Sneed, not to mention a very high-quality rotational defensive lineman in Michael Dana. That's a lot coming out of one draft class. Then in 2021, this might have been Veach's best draft, where after parting with their first-round pick to get Orlando Brown Jr. to come over and be their left tackle, Kansas City landed some impact starters in linebacker Nick Bolton, center Creed Humphrey, and guard Trey Smith. 
I mean, that's a two great draft classes on top of each other. Then you go down to last year, and of course, we're in the infancy stage of the development of the players selected in the 2022 NFL draft, but the, the early returns for Kansas City are very, very promising. And going back to that game, the 44-21 to 21 win in week one over the Arizona Cardinals, the immediate contributions of their rookie class was quite impressive. And the Chiefs had two first-round picks. They were both week one starters. Trent McDuffie started at corner. He didn't allow a single yard in coverage. And then George Karloff, they started at defensive end. He forced six pressures and had a pass breakup. They both played well, and they looked very comfortable in their first NFL game. They had a rookie running back, Isaiah Pacheco. He carried the ball 12 times for 62 yards, had a rushing touchdown, and he also had a 22-yard kick return. Sky Moore, he handled the punt and kick return duties, had 93 all-purpose yards, and also a 30-yard reception. Meanwhile, they had several other players, Jalen Watson, Leo Chennault, Brian Cook, and Josh Williams. They played Each one of them played at least 11 special team snaps and got some run on defense. Watson played more than 50% of their defensive snaps. Cook played 34%. Williams played 23%. Chennault played 15%. Kansas City received meaningful contributions from eight different rookies in week one. And we're talking about a team that is expected to once again be a Super Bowl contender. I mean, the Chiefs have the seventh youngest roster in the NFL. They're among just eight teams in the NFL with an average age less than 26 years old. The Chiefs have 18 rookies or second-year players on their active roster right now. They have 31 players on their roster out of 53 that are on rookie contracts. The last thing I want to note before I really kind of bring in the bills to contrast these items is that the Chiefs are still paying a lot of players. Yeah, they're getting a lot of value from some of their players on rookie deals, but they're paying a lot of players too. They have seven players that they're paying right now that are among the top 10 in average annual salary for their position. Of course, Patrick Mahomes, number five at quarterback, Travis Kelsey, number three at tight end, Joe Thune, number three at guard, Orlando Brown, number 10 at left tackle, Frank Clark, number 10 at edge defender, Chris Jones, number three at defensive tackle, and then Harrison Bucker is a top 10 highest paid kicker. So now let's introduce the Bills. Now the Bills, when it comes to paying players among the top 10 at their position, they've got six. Josh Allen, who's number six at quarterback. Stephon Diggs, number six at receiver. Dawson Knox, number seven at tight end. Mitch Morse, number eight at center. Von Miller, number seven at edge. And Trey White, number seven at cornerback. So both teams are paying a quarterback, but they're also paying several other players. I mentioned the Chiefs have the seventh youngest roster in the NFL by an average age of 25.96 years old. Bills are 28th. They have the fifth oldest roster in the NFL by an average of 26.92 years old. So the average player on the Bills is one year older than the average player on the Chiefs. I said the Chiefs have 18 first or second year players. The Bills have 12. The Chiefs have 31 players on rookie deals. The Bills have 24. Now the Chiefs did a mini reset 
last offseason by trading away Tyreek Hill. And they got five draft picks for him. A one, a two, two fours, and a six. And not only did they get draft capital, but they then didn't have to pay Tyreek Hill $30 million per season like the, the Miami Dolphins are. And so when you factor that into the equation, the Chiefs enter next offseason with just 19 with with just over 19 million dollars in projected cap space. That's pretty good considering what's already in place. The Bills are currently projected to be over the cap by about 5 million. Now the Chiefs do have a bunch of expiring contracts. Orlando Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Carlos Dunlap, Derek Nadi, Andrew Wiley, their starting right tackle, Miko Hardman, Juan Thornhill, and Rashad Fenton. They're all starters, not to mention a lot of key depth players. The Bills have some expiring contracts as well with negative $5 million in cap space. Jordan Poyer, Roger Saffold, Tremaine Edmonds, Devin Singletary, and Dane Jackson's a restricted free agent. And then, of course, several key depth players of their own. But here's the bottom line. The Bills probably can't keep everyone, and but they're going to have to continue to replenish through the draft, right? That's where it gets critical. And the Chiefs are doing a great job of that. So are the Bills. But year over year, in this point of contender status in the life cycle of the Bills, those draft classes get increasingly more important as your roster becomes more expensive. I mean, we live in a new world as Bills fans right now. And I'm really, really fascinated to see how Brandon Bean navigates this because how he continues to round out this roster with impact players on rookie deals will be critical to the Bills' ability to maintain a balanced roster around Josh Allen. Now, he's got some good uh, salary structures, right? So the Bills will have some opportunities to do restructures and create some cap space but it's going to be back to these draft picks. How well can he continue to hit on draft picks? And my goodness, the track record is outstanding. But it has to keep up for the Bills to be, or, or for the Bills to have staying power on top of the AFC. Now, as long as you have Josh Allen, you have a chance. But I think we can all agree that we want as much around Josh Allen as possible to stay as good as possible for as long as possible. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including everything you need for week two of the NFL season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest, it is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. It's bet online and it's where the game starts. Let's close things out by offering you three NFL draft prospects to watch this Saturday with an eye towards the Buffalo Bills. And uh, again, the emphasis here is to give you one player in each time slot for the Saturday. And I try to pick games that are interesting. And this is kind of a a light slate of games on Saturday. There's a lot of teams playing, but there's not a lot of big-time matchups that are like appointment viewing to a casual fan. But there's a lot of good prospects to watch, and so I think these would be the three players I would focus in on if I wanted to kind of get a, 
a leg up on seeing some of the potential Bills targets in the draft. So on Saturday, turn on your TV. Make sure you're ready to go by noon Eastern time. Put it on ESPN. Georgia versus South Carolina. The player to pay attention to here is Georgia safety, Christopher Smith, number 29, 5'11", 195 pounds. He's versatile. He plays in the slot. He plays in the box. He plays deep. Really good tackler. The ball production has been showing up. He's got four interceptions since the start of last season. He's instinctive, and he doesn't give up much in coverage. I think he's a a day two option. Might play himself into the first-round conversation. But if you're looking for versatility, ball skills, instincts, tackling ability, physicality, this guy delivers. And who knows what happens with Jordan Poyer, but if the Bills need to find a safety, Christopher Smith is definitely somebody I'd keep an eye on. Let's go to the 3.30 slate. 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, ESPN2. The game is Colorado at Minnesota. The player to watch, Minnesota center, John Michael Schmitz, number 60, 6'4", 320 pounds. He plays center for Minnesota, but there's no doubt in my mind he could play guard in the NFL. I'm a big fan of his. Experienced player, physical. He's athletic. I love his lateral mobility. I like his temperament. He's an aggressive blocker. He's controlled. He has good technique. I think he has the makeup of a quality NFL starter, day two type player for me. I think I think someone's going to get a really, really good, solid center or guard from John Michael Schmitz. And if the Bills can't, you know, figure out a replacement for Roger Saffold or keep Roger Saffold or whatever the plan is there at guard, this is a player to consider. At 9 p.m. Eastern time, this might be the best game of the of the day. Miami at Texas A&M. The player to watch is Texas A&M right guard Layden Robinson, number 64, six foot four, 330 pounds. We talked about the need at guard. You know, I think the Bills could this could be a spot where they look to find an economic option. But Layden Robinson's powerful, creates a lot of movement in the run game, firm anchor. Good hand usage and plays under control. I think he's got the makeup of an NFL starter. I wish he was a little more rangy, a little bit more fluid. And I think, I think if he dropped 15 pounds, you know, I think he would get there. Sometimes I think offensive linemen can be unnecessarily big. Like if you're 330 and your your movement skills are sluggish, well, drop weight. And I think for Layden Robinson, that could be a good thing for him. Uh, but I think he's a developmental starter, late late sec, uh, late day two, early day three range as a potential target. And obviously, I, I wanted to give you someone to watch from that Miami-Texas A&M game. But Texas A&M also has a safety, Antonio Johnson, who's really physical and instinctive. So there's another safety prospect for you to watch in that game uh, when Texas A&M is on defense. So there you have it. Three players to watch on Saturday. Christopher Smith for Georgia at noon. Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz at 3.30 on ESPN2. And then Layden Robinson and Antonio Johnson for Texas A&M at 9 o'clock. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Our Monday podcast will be a lot like a typical Friday game week podcast where 
I'll, I'll share any of my leftover thoughts about the Titans game in the first segment. We'll talk to banged up bills in the second segment, and then my game predictions in the third segment. So you have that coming your way on Monday. I'll probably post it Sunday night. Um, that way you'll have a little bit more time to get to it because I know once the game happens at seven, is it seven fifteen? the bills kick off against the Titans, you know, it's really not going to have much life after that. So I'll probably post it Sunday night for you. And then of course our Tuesday podcast will then be responding to the bills game against Tennessee. So tons of good stuff coming up here on the podcast. Don't miss anything. Make sure you're subscribed. We'd love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. And let me say this. I know there's been a lot of you that have taken the time to leave reviews lately. I've read them all. I appreciate it so, so much. It's it's a, a great thing that you can do uh, to let people know what they can expect on the podcast, but also it's big for discovery and the algorithms that exist out there to uh, put the podcast in front of more people. So if you want to do something to help me and you enjoy this podcast, a five-star rating and a couple sentences in the review column is so, so very helpful. And of course, if you're watching on YouTube, any interaction, if you like, you comment, of course, subscribe. All of those things are great for the channel. So I uh, really appreciate what you guys do to support this podcast. And it's been awesome lately. And I just want to say thank you and and would love it if anyone else would would join in and do that stuff as well. It's so, so helpful. All right, folks, enjoy football this weekend, and I'll catch up with you again on Monday.